0: that's one of those songs I have to confess that I really enjoy and I love the message and the reminder that when Jesus did all of that on the cross of Calvary and as we look at the resurrection the things that took place death was arrested and I was set free and if you're in Jesus you put your faith and trust in Jesus you have been set free great, 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 great song love it Well, we are continuing in the conversation of red letters, and this morning we are going to continue in portions of the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to drop down to Matthew chapter 6. Now we're going to look at verses 19 to 34, but we're going to start in the middle today. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into it. Let's pray. Father, as we take time to look at your word, and Father, in particular, as we... Listen to some of these words that are familiar and we recognize. Father, I would ask you to build into us the character of Christ. Father, I would ask that you would challenge us with our priorities of life, how we live, what we're chasing, what we're seeking. And that, Father, we would begin to recognize where the tension rests and, and where the priorities should be and how we find balance in our journey. Father, it can be a challenge at times to walk with you, and yet we continue to live in this world where we need to kind of juggle different balls and kind of keep things in alignment because we still need to function and live. Father, give us wisdom and balance and understanding. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So as I said, we're going to look at verses 25-25 all the way, or excuse me, verses 19 all the way down to 34. But I want to start today at verse 25. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start kind of in the middle. And what I'd like to do is like to read through it, and then we'll kind of come back up and kind of walk through these verses a little bit, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Beginning at verse 25. Jesus is speaking, and as he's continuing this conversation, he says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Or what you will eat or what you will drink, or about or about your body, or what you will wear. Life is isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't they worth more? Or aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adored like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that we need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself each day, has enough trouble of its own so I'll go back to that verse 25 we look at those words and we we remember these words and we think about these words therefore i tell you don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't it easy to hear those words and then just set worry aside? That's not easy at all, is it? It's not. We hear those words and yet we wrestle with this internal tension. Do any of you go to the bed the night before asking yourself, What is it I'm going to wear tomorrow? Or do we think about special events that are coming up and we don't just spend a day thinking about it? We might spend a few days or weeks. We might even plan a month in advance or more. What am I going to wear? Someone mentioned to me earlier they were out dress shopping for a wedding. Isn't that one of those occasions where we start to think about, what am I going to wear? Or we have a graduation event. Some of those days are coming up. What is it I'm going to wear? Interview comes up. What is it I'm going to wear? What do I need to get? I had a funeral this past week. Not someone you know. I said to myself, I have to get the suit from the cleaners. I was thinking about what is it I'm going to wear. These things cross our mind and they land on our thought process. Now, do any of you sit down and think, what are we going to eat this week? Probably oftentimes we do that one day at the end of the week and we, we do that a little bit before we go shopping and we say, okay, maybe you go shopping once a week, maybe you go shopping every day, maybe you go shopping once a month, but before you sit down and you go shopping, what do you do? You just take some time to start to think, okay, what are we going to eat? What am I going to cook? What are the days I'm going to do this? How does this all flow? And we think about it. We process it. Now the real rub starts to kick in when pennies start to get thin. And we go to the cupboard and there's not as much there as we had anticipated. And then a little anxiety maybe sometimes starts to kick in because I need to eat and how's it all going to work and how's this all going to play together? Jesus is saying, don't, worry now he didn't say don't worry be happy okay (laughs) but he did say don't worry don't worry now we all understand what worrying is don't we it's starting to stress it's starting to feel this anxiety it's starting to feel this fear it's starting to feel this concern it starts to occupy space in our head What's interesting as worry starts to build up and as worry starts to occupy space in our head, it starts sometimes to push other things out and it starts to push other things into the background and it starts to kind of sit a little bit more in the front of our vision instead of someplace else in the periphery and worry is not good planning. Good planning is one thing and it's appropriate I think at times to have good plans But worry starts to kick in when we start to help hope and make sure that our good plans work. And our pre-anticipated preparation functions and does what it's supposed to do. Don't worry about your life. Those are words that are easy to hear, but sometimes in the flow of life, they get tough. But he gives the example. He says, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your, lovely, your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, we look at that. You all have met Lincoln at one time or another, and he's been here, and for those of you who haven't met him, that's our little dog. Now, i got to tell you, Lincoln doesn't worry about food. He just checks to see when it's there. And when it shows up, he eats. But he's a domesticated critter. But we have all sorts of domesticated critters around us that don't worry about when food shows up at all because they just go get it. Do any of you have squirrels or woodchucks that have spent some time in your garden? Yep. Or we, we have moles or other kinds of things. We have some rabbits, some raccoons, all, the, all sorts of other stuff. But how about some bigger critters? Some of us have deer that kind of walk through the backyard. They need to eat a little bit more. What I really have enjoyed is seeing the bears up north. Now, we don't have many bear problems down here, but when we used to live up north in North Jersey, we would have bears all the time. What's amazing is yes, I've never seen them in the grocery store. <laughs> and yet they are okay. And they do good. Why? God has taken care of them. And they eat, they're provided for. And I love this last part of what he says Aren't you worth more than they? because we are God looks at us and God looks at them and he takes care of them and he loves them and he provides for them but then he looks at us and he loves us differently better can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying can you? No. In fact, doctors will tell us just the opposite. Doctors will suggest to us that when we worry, we create stress. And it's not good for us. See, worry isn't a healthy thing. Worry is a thing where we are trying to, with our internal fret, our internal anxiety, we're trying to control, we're trying to manage but the problem is, we're sometimes trying to grab a hold and manage things that we have no ability to control. In my household, there's a phrase that I say that my, my wife and kids know I'm not going to borrow trouble. And I say that fairly frequently because we'll start to have conversations about things and how about and how about and how about. And I often come back and I say, I'm not going to borrow trouble. Because so often we worry about things that don't ever come into play. We've spent all of this energy, all this angst, grinding ourselves internally about all of this stuff that never surfaced. Now, are we saying don't have a plan? We're not saying don't have a plan, but worry stressing about what we cannot control. He goes on. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how wild flowers of the, of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Now, I had this question as I wrestled through this, and linking through this conversation, we're going to get to the, the, the punchline in verse 33. But Jesus drills down on clothing and food. And he talks about the stress area and the anxiety area with both food and clothing. And he'll deal with money, he dealt with money and financial issues also at the front, but I think that also is a contributing factor to the food and to the clothing. How often do we just function to just have covering? Reasonable, good covering. We stress about what we wear. And we wear what we wear often for various reasons. We have all the phrase, we all know the phrase, we dress to impress. We dress to influence. We dress to communicate one thing or another. People watch and look. It's interesting how food is important to us in our lives and how clothing is important to us in our lives and how we present ourselves. And it drives agendas in life. He continues. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. For me, again, this is an important component. We wrestle through these things. We wrestle with food. We wrestle with clothing. And how often do we sit down and really think about the fact and grab a hold of the fact that as followers of Jesus who are seeking to pursue him, God is attuned and God is thinking about these details. How, you know, we, we, we sit down at our meal and we say, Lord, thank you for what you provided. And we, we have this word of prayer. We say We thank him for the food. But how often do we think of the fact that God, in his heavenly context, is preparing a menu for us? Or that God in the heavenly context has laid out a wardrobe for us. How often do we really think about those details and think about those details? Often we don't. At least I haven't. And I haven't interacted with a lot of people who have come back and said, Man, oh man, God has laid some things out for me this week that were just really cool and fun. Or man, I can't believe the the menu that God organized for me this past month. Man, I was eating so much crazy stuff that I never expected. I I don't hear Christians talk about that very often. And yet, what we are reading here, and as Jesus is talking about this, this is an issue that God does think about. This is an issue that is on God's radar. And as a follower of Jesus, this is a detail... That he's concerned about. But we don't normally think he is. But he slides into this next verse Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. What's striking to me is Jesus has this conversation about food and he has this conversation about clothes and then he pivots and he says, seek first the kingdom of God why would he say seek first the kingdom of God? Because these things are distractions. Because what apparently is going on, and I think continues to go on, is we are very distracted with food, and we are very distracted with how we present ourselves, and how we appear, and how we dress. What strikes me is this. We have massively huge buildings all throughout our culture that are overwhelmingly devoted to two things. Not solely, but overwhelmingly devoted to two things food and clothes. When you go to the mall, What are you usually shopping for? Often clothes. Or you're going to go get a cup of coffee, or you're going to go get something to eat, you're going to go get a snack, you're maybe going to go get some jewelry, which is what we adorn ourselves with. We have this stuff in our culture that overwhelmingly focuses us in on Food and clothes. And what's all around the mall? Places to eat. Look at our mall. Look at Ocean County Mall. All around it, places to eat. And inside of it, all sorts of stuff to put on our bodies. And stuff to put inside them. There's a tension here that Jesus is dealing with. This is, I think, part of the lust of the eyes and part of the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The, the big three challenges and the big three hurdles that we're going to wrestle through in life. And this is part of that. We get caught up and distraction items. We get caught up in how we appear. We get caught up in how we look. We get caught up in what we're going to eat. And we devote so much of our energy, so much of our time, and sometimes so much of our resources to those things. And what does Jesus come back and say? Again, here at verse 34, or 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be provided. Now what we might end up with is we might end up with meatloaf instead of filet mignon. But that's okay. But we get distracted with these things in life. And they become things that draw our focus, draw our heart, draw our passions aside. Therefore, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's go back to the beginning. This is where he starts the conversation. I want to come to that because I think the the heart of the issue, the heart of the tension is seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. I think that is the key verse that's driving the conversation that's taking place here. So then we go back to verse 19. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up for yourselves treasures, but, excuse me, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, what is the driving stuff in our culture? Making money. Making money, making money, making money, making money. Why often do we want to make a lot of money? Because we want to have nice things. We want to be able to dress nice. We want to be able to eat nice. We want to be able to live nice. Make money, make money, make money. what happens in our culture, we get fixated on those things and those things become the focus because, and it's not just because we love the money, we also love the things that come with the money. How long does that stuff last? It doesn't. Again, you hear the proverbial line, you don't see a, a U-Haul trailer following after hearse." It doesn't. On the flip side, I've heard a person say who would have some money, this says, my goal is when I, just before I die, I spend my last penny. I can appreciate that response. Money is a tool, but we turn money into the priority. And we start to fixate and focus on what is here. And again, what is that? How we live, where we live, how we eat, how we adorn ourselves, what we put around us for our presentation. So sometimes that's the kind of car we drive, the kind of clothes we wear. The place where we live says a lot about who we are. And what does Jesus say? Now store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves don't break in and steal. Money. I Money mean, can disappear like that, can it? We just saw some of that take place in our culture. How much are you guys paying for gas? Three bucks. Now, it's been interesting. I've been watching it. And, it's, and all the gas stations that I've looked at are $299. $299, $299, $299. You see a couple, $297, $298. Pretty much all $299. About six months ago, it was around 230 220 We were talking to Kyle the other day. He couldn't get some gas in Virginia. It was tough to get. But in other places down south, it was... Five bucks, six bucks, ten bucks a gallon. Or they couldn't get anything. What happened to the money in our pocket? Gone. Why? Because it doesn't last. What happened to the people with the pipeline, who ran the pipeline? They're $5 million lighter in the pocket because they paid a ransom. It's fleeting. See, the reality is money is fleeting. That money was ripped right out of their pocket. It was stolen from them. They were manipulated, and it was stolen right out of their pocket. No, they, they let it go, but they didn't let it go because of legitimate reasons. They let it go because they were held hostage. Stolen right out of their pocket. And by the trickle effect, stolen right out of ours. Money is fleeting. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. And as Jesus talks about this, he says, there's a treasury where things do not get stolen, where things do not disappear, where you can't be leveraged and manipulated to lose it. And that's when you store up things in heaven. You store eternal treasure. But what is the tension point? I think the tension point, again, it's not on a screen, but boils down again to verse 34, or 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's how we make heavenly deposits. But he also says this, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, our hearts, our passions follow where we make investments. Does anyone know how the Contra Fund is doing with Fidelity right now? How about the Magellan Fund? Does anyone know how the Fidelity Magellan Fund is doing? you got to be kidding me. You see, I could tell you about the Magellan Fund because my mom has some money in the Magellan Fund. And I help track that and be aware of that. And so I am aware of what's going on with the Magellan Fund. Not doing as well today as it was a couple weeks ago, but it's amazing. It was kind of cool to see how it produced for my mom. But you guys have no clue. Why? Because you don't have anything invested there. You have no money present in that account, so you don't even think about it. Your mind doesn't go there, your thought process goes there. You don't take time to look it up online because nothing's invested. But you probably could tell me about different areas where you might have some money invested. You could probably tell me about the bank that you have your money in. Why? Because we are aware and conscious of where we have put our resources. And where we have put our resources and where we invest ourselves, we have an interest. And if we are not investing in eternal things, if we are not taking and investing in eternity and investing in the bank of heaven, we're probably not going to be overly interested in spiritual, eternal things. But if we are investing in earthly things, we're investing in clothing, cars, food, da-da-da-da, on down the line. Those are the places where our interests; those are the places where our passion is going to rest. Because that's where we are invested Because we become invested in where we invest. And we are interested and passionate about where we invest. We follow our investments. So again, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now here's a thing that happens Do you ever worry about where you invest things? We don't have to worry if we invest it in heaven. But we do have some anxiety when we invest in other places. Do you ever go online and look at how you have invested some of your resources and you see those numbers turning red instead of going green? And then we start to worry about how things are going to go and how we're going to take care of the future? How about this next little section of verses? Verses 24 and 25. Jesus in his conversation says, No one can serve two masters since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And yet our culture drives us, speaks to us, shouts at us, Chase the money. Because if you don't chase the money, you can't, and you can't, and you can't. What happens then as we chase the money, it changes our heart. Because our heart chases what we chase. Our heart becomes passionate about what we become passionate about. About our heart starts to prioritize what we start to prioritize in our lives. And so, for us to say, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus, and yet the reality of our lives is that we are devoted to chasing money or chasing food or chasing clothes or whatever it is we want to chase, the reality is we're not really devoted to the Lord we're really devoted to something else. We're really not passionate about the Lord. We're really passionate about something else. But I love the tension going into verse 25. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. It flows right out of the context of the tension of are you loving God or loving money? Are you loving God or are you chasing something else? And you cannot have two masters. Who is the master you're going to choose to honor? Who is the master you're going to choose to follow? And if we choose to follow the Lord right on the heels, right in the context, Jesus then goes in and he says, listen, don't worry. Chase after the Lord. Walk with him. Embrace him. Let him be the focus. Let him be the priority. Let him be the master instead of letting something else be the master. And as you choose the Lord to be your master, you don't need to worry. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or about what you'll wear, life is more than food and the body, more than clothing. And we are challenged to rest in him. One more set of verses to look at. Verses 22 and 23. Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Look again at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. When we were living in Minnesota, we had some good friends and um, one day our friend's wife was on her way to her daughter's meet. She was in gymnastics, northern part of the state. As she was going to the meet, she was hurrying, but also the roads were a bit bad. Things took place. She had an accident. She hit the back of another vehicle. She whacked her head. When she woke up, she was blind. To this day, she still can't see. Really scary prospect of things taking place. And what took place that day is that she left the realm of having light. She left that realm of having sight. She left that realm of color And seeing the play of color in the fields of the sky. Or as it would play across her child's or grandchildren's face. And from that day until this, the only only thing she sees is darkness. That's it. What we are opening our eyes to and what we are choosing to see and focus on is either going to bring lightness into our lives or it's going to introduce darkness. What do we cast our eyes on and what do we choose to look upon? Again, in the context of this conversation, I would suggest to you that pursuing after righteousness, pursuing after the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as opposed to chasing other things, is really the tension point between choosing those things that bring light into our lives, as opposed to focusing in on those things that bring darkness into our lives. And then you come to that second verse, that verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now, my friend in Minnesota, she lives in darkness but because she has Jesus there's a light that rests within her life and there's a hope and there's a joy and there's an anticipation and there's a forwardness that's taking place in her life that does not lead her down into a downward spiral but when someone is far from god they're not the light of god isn't there And so the ability to experience light isn't there. And the downward spiral of direction, that downward spiral of purpose, that downward spiral of value, that downward spiral of meaning and significance all gets challenged. What light are we letting into our lives? Are we letting the light of God into our lives? Are we allowing it to to pour into our lives? And are we fixating on the things that are of God? Or are we fixating on other things? Are we bringing light into our lives? Or are we inviting darkness into our lives? I'll remind you of what the Old Testament said. The heart is what? Deceitfully wicked. And if we are not intentionally allowing the light of God to shine in us, We're allowing something else in. So Jesus wrestles through this whole conversation. He wrestles through this tension. He starts this conversation by talking about where we store treasure and what's important to us and what our values and priorities are. He talks about the reality of us choosing not to worry and to not fixate on, 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 on eating and attire and, and not to fix on the, the good things of life or the pri- and making those things the priorities, but rather to fixate on pursuing him, pursuing the kingdom of righteousness. An amazing thing happens. When you pursue and walk with the Lord, you don't have to worry. Why? Because he will take care of you. But when we don't chase the Lord, we can be consumed with worry because we don't have an anchor upon which to hold. Let's pray together. Father, as we wrestle through this journey, Father, I thank you, first of all, that even as we came into the conversation of the message this morning, we were reminded that death was arrested and a new life began. We were reminded of the hope of Christ. We were reminded of the promises of Jesus. And Father, even as Jesus is Challenging his disciples and by extension challenging the crowd that is listening. He's challenging us in the priorities that we make and the things that we are choosing to say are important versus those things that we choose to say are unimportant. By choosing to say what I will fixate my life on versus what I will not fixate my life on. Lord, I would ask you to help us to fixate and focus our lives on walking with you and knowing you. Of being transformed by having a relationship with you that allows us to look beyond. And and not that we are uninterested in food or uninterested in clothing or uninterested in having resources to provide for things. But rather, Lord, we don't have to be fixated on that. Those don't have to be the priorities of life. But we can rest that you will provide in the journey as needed. And we can focus on walking with you and chasing you. Father, help us in this journey, I ask. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: Hope. Meaning. Ultimately, purpose things that everybody is searching for. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you're searching for hope and you're searching for meaning, you're searching for connection, you're searching for for purpose in life, I would encourage you to take that step this morning. Because deep down in your heart, if you're honest with yourself, you'll realize that there's just something missing. And that something missing can only be filled with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We would, we would love to have that conversation with you after the service. Um, if you want to have that conversation with us. And I, w- I would encourage you to take that step this morning. Because you could search all you want and you're never going to find real hope. And you're never going to find real meaning. And you're never going to find ultimately purpose for your life. Without Jesus. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus, we still still struggle daily with, with the grind of priority, don't we? Where are we going to place our priority? Who ultimately are we going to worship, or what are we going to worship? Are we going to worship the needs that we have and prioritize our time and energy and resources towards that? Or are we going to to worship the one who has promised to take care of those needs for us in greater ways than we could ever take care of them? Who are you going to worship this morning? Who's going to be on the throne? What priorities do we need to change? Are we going to run after the stuff that we think we need to, to make it and survive In these short years that we have on this world and on this earth, are we going to prioritize spiritual things? Are we going to prioritize running hard after Jesus? Are we going to prioritize using our our time, our energy, our resources to, to advance the gospel for his purposes, for his kingdom, and allow him to then take care of everything else? I would challenge you with that this morning, to examine your life, and to see where your priorities are and what you're really running after. In a moment, we're going to take our offering. it'll come from the back forward as it usually does. As the plates pass, feel free to stand and join us as we sing again. Um, you can give online as well, and, and that information will come up on the screen in a little bit after I'm done praying. But let's let's pray. Father, we all struggle and wrestle with what our purpose in life is. We struggle to, to understand where we find hope, where we find meaning, why we ultimately exist. And Father, the answer to that is found only in a relationship with Jesus. Without Jesus, we can have an okay life. Things can be okay. We can have the We can have food on our plates we can have clothes on our bodies we can have good relationships with family with friends but ultimately deep down inside there's still something missing because we know that one day it just comes to an end and that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to us Father, for those who are here this morning who may have never entered into a relationship with Jesus where they can find hope and meaning and purpose for this life and the next, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be working in their hearts this morning. Father, for the rest of us, we daily struggle with with priority. We get so caught up in the stuff of this world so caught up in the day in and the day out of making money, of what we're wearing, of having fun, of taking care of that stuff that we often find ourselves not trusting you. We find ourselves not really worshiping the one who has created all that stuff. We worship the created instead of the creator Father we ask for your forgiveness for that but we also ask that you would cause us to to begin to to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit to begin to to listen to his prompting in our lives as, as he teaches us as he nudges us about priority in life And that we would begin to to really understand what it means to put you first. To seek you and your kingdom first. And then allow everything else to fall into place. Father, we're going to need help. Because we're just honestly no good at it. We need you to cause that in us. And so we ask that you would do that. Fathers, we're about to worship you by giving right now. Father, this is exactly what we've talked about this morning, isn't it? We can't worship our money and worship you at the same time. It's about priority. It's about using what you've given us of our time, our energy, and our resources to advance your gospel and your kingdom. So as we do that now, We pray that you'd help us to to give with cheerful, eager hearts because we want to see your gospel and your kingdom expanded.
0: Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.